it was my daughter who, as I say in the book, introduced me to my father, even though he'd been dead for 20 years, because she called one day and said, you know, Dad, I don't know if I should be telling you this, uh, but I think you can handle it. Uh, I got interested in my grandfather, your father, and I went online and I found out some stuff about him, and here's what it is. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating your legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and deep contentment. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses and my brand new book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at my interviews and other fun and sometimes embarrassing tidbits. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And as usual, I have my loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. And you may hear my new puppy Frankie wreaking havoc upstairs. We have a really great interview for you today. Uh, with the perspective of age, many of us are finding ourselves looking back at our lives and asking questions such as, was my life a good life? Did I make good choices? And what are my regrets? Today we're speaking with renowned Stanford professor and psychologist, William Damon, who is going to introduce us to the concept of the life review. In his new book, A Round of Golf with My Father, Damon illustrates the life review by describing his journey to uncover the hidden story of his father, whom he never met and knew almost nothing about until a sudden recent discovery. Damon had been raised to believe that his father was killed in World War II. The truth, however, was that his father survived and went on to live a second life abroad. He had joined the U.S. Foreign Service, married a French ballerina, started a second family, and befriended the king and queen of Thailand. He also built a reputation as a formidable golfer, a game Damon loves and wishes they could have shared together. This book is a mystery as well as an exercise in understanding how misfortune can take our lives in positive directions that we could not have understood at the time. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be with you. We're going to have a great conversation, I think, because, well, I know that you're a psychologist. There's so much to this book, and um, it's a very different kind of book. You're blending your work as an academic um, and uh, whose partial focus is on finding purpose, and it's also woven into your real-life experience. What was it like writing this book about searching for your uh, understanding your father, his life, and, and his memory? Well, it was uh, mixed feelings. I was thrilled to discover all kinds of things about my father that I never knew. 
and also the fascination of going through history and archives. I'm not a historian, but I learned the thrill of discovering old letters and school records and uh, and other bits of information about him. He had died 20 years before I discovered who he was. So it was very exciting cre- recreating this person and discovering his character and, and who he was. But I also have to say that for me, there was some pain, some uh, some difficulties, uh, because I had to confront some of the, frankly, some of the mistakes I made in not paying attention to his life or anything about him for decades of my life, and regrets I had about not discussing this with my mother uh, until she uh, passed. So I had to work through a lot of the regrets and mistakes that I made, uh, which was an emotional uh, endeavor for me. So I, I had a, a mixture of excitement, thrill, fascination, and some psychological uh, discomfort. Mm, you could never have imagined this journey, and um, uh, correct me if 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 I'm wrong, but um, in the book you talk about your daughter saying, "Hey, I found something out about your dad. Do you want to know it?" Yeah, that's how it, is that's how it started. It is, and you know the irony is, of course, I'm a lifespan developmental psychologist, and I <laughs> ought to know about how important it is for all of us to examine our past to bring things forward, to confront some of the uh, regrets that we've had in life. But I myself was not doing that. And my daughter, it was my daughter who, as I say in the book, introduced me to my father, even though he'd been dead for 20 years, because she called one day and said, you know, Dad, I don't know if I should be telling you this. but I think you can handle it. Uh, I got interested mm. in my grandfather, your father, and I went online and I found out some stuff about him and here's what it is. And at that moment, I, and I was in my 60s at that point, and at mm. that moment mm. I realized how important it was for me to actually become active and, and do, this, uh, do more of this exploration myself. So I owe this, this is one of the many ways in life mm. that you can learn from your children. And, uh, mm. uh, Talk about, maybe this is not the appropriate analogy, but that was a can of worms that you had to decide, (laughs) do I really, I mean, talk about a life-changing experience. Exactly, and uh, I I think if she had, well, she was too young to have done this, but if she had called me 30 years earlier, of course she couldn't have because she was my daughter, but I I would not have been able to handle it, and uh, I I think I was ready for it at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it was a bit of a can of worms, but one that... uh, (laughs) One of the other things, of course, we all know is that the the best way to deal with problems is to confront them, and I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity to do that. Yeah, there's something so poetic about the way this this got um, uncovered. Do you remember when um, she spoke with you, having any feelings of like uncertainty? Like, do I really want to go down this road, or was it just straight go? I mean, was it just like I'm going to grab this opportunity, absolutely one hundred percent? 
at that point, I was ready to grab the opportunity. Uh, I uh, I was at a point in life where I was ready to look back on my life and and bring it forward. Uh, that's part of looking back is not letting it. F- freeze and stay there. And I was very interested in the method of the life review that I'd been reading about anyway. And so this was an opportunity to try it out on myself as a case of one. And <laughs> N uh, equals one. Exactly. Yeah, any, which is different than my other studies, which usually have large subject populations. But um, so it was... Uh, both a personal journey, which intrigued me, and also a professional interest, because I had written a lot in my life on purpose, on lifespan development, on aging well, and this was a chance for me to explore a method of life review that had been developed by a legendary psychiatrist, Robert Butler, uh, that hadn't been that well known. And so I had a chance to really really explore that method. So I had the professional interest as well. It really comes alive, doesn't it? When it's, um, you can make it personal. The work really comes, it's a totally different experience. So talk a little bit about life review, because I, you know, I think most of us generally can, you know, figure out what that means. But there's, there's there's steps to it. It, it, it's actually describes something that has, would you say a protocol or there's more to it than just, oh, I'm thinking about my life now. Exactly. Uh, We all tell stories about ourselves all the time, spontaneously. We do that every day in small ways and big ways. If we go to the department store and get a bargain or something we'll come home and sometimes say hey i got a i got a handbag for 40 percent off that's a bit of a story about yourself and also deeper stories but when we do it spontaneously in a non-systematic way uh, it can be haphazard and sometimes even end up dwelling on uh, incidents and memories that are are not really the best guide for you to understand, number one, who you are, because that's part of why we tell stories, is to construct our own identities. But even more importantly, give you a sense of where you're headed, what the direction, what the, what the dots are in your life that um, you need to connect in order to make sense of your life and in order to plan and say, this is the best of my life. This is, this is the person I want to be. This is what I am going to dedicate myself moving forward. Because at every age, no matter how old you are, you have a future. And it's very important for you to have purpose, to have a meaningful future, and mm. to make choices. And the life review is a way I've discovered to systematically go back over the events and people and things that have influenced you in your life and think about the high points, identify what it is that was meaningful to you and purposeful, and give you a sense of how you can continue that and build upon that in the future. So a life review is a systematic way of doing what we do all the time spontaneously, which is tell life stories. But it's life stories with a purpose. You know, 
it's woven in that as an assessment, right? It's not just thinking about, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, but these are things that were I want to do more of, and how can I? It's almost there's this like consolidation process. Does that sound right? There is, and there's also uh, an opportunity to learn. Uh, I mean, all of us have made mistakes in life. Every human being has made mistakes. There's nobody that hasn't done that. And when we think about the mistakes we've made, it's normal to have regrets and to say, gee, I wish I had done this or not done this 20 years ago. How would my life be different? But understanding how to evaluate those mistakes and learn Mm. from them. Mm. And that's the way to have a positive outcome out of the regrets that you have rather than dwelling on regrets and and dwelling with bitterness or resentment or any of the negative feelings and that's exactly what robert butler was targeting when he developed the method of the life review he he was a psychiatrist Uh, i'm not i'm a psychologist and i'm not a clinician but he was interested in depression and his conclusion was that a lot of the depression that comes with aging is that people think about their lives in random haphazard ways instead of really intentionally thinking about what was valuable in my life and uh-huh. and and affirming affirming the person you are now and saying yes saying yes to the life you've been given so gratitude is a big part of this and mm-hmm. a very important part of it mm-hmm it makes me think a little bit of some of the work, like with Bronnie Ware um, on the regrets, five regrets of the the dying. That sometimes this is done, you know, through hospice, through the, on the deathbed. What yes. was good, what wasn't, and I don't want to oversimplify, but it sounds like you're saying, why wait? Yeah, well, I'm I'm exactly saying that. That's okay. About, uh, that's right. I, I mean, people have such a need to do it that often they do suddenly as they come to face their own death. Uh, they will pull it together and do it. But um, you don't really need to wait to that moment. Uh, you can do it early. You can do it all through your life. And uh, and I found, uh, of course, part of my story was that my mother. Uh, from the early part of my life, hid the facts of my father, even his existence. I thought he died in World War II. When I learned finally that he had abandoned her and me, I never discussed with my mother why did he never come back, what was he like, any of that. And uh, I realized when I did my life review that this was a mistake, that you need to have the conversations with your loved ones that are important before they before it's too late mm-hmm. because my mother my mother died uh, before I discovered any of this and uh, I had to I had to come to terms with that with that regret partly learned from it uh, so now I really am intentional about having conversations with my own children and my other loved ones and also um, understand what I missed in not doing that and try to reconstruct that. In my case, as I go as I go into in my book, what I learned I missed was that I never got to meet my father, but also his side of the family. And now yeah. I've discovered, now that I've now that I've uh, started 
the quest of discovering all the things I missed. I have two cousins uh, that are, have become close friends of mine. My father had two daughters who are my half-sisters, who are now a treasured part of my family. And none of this I would have been able to reconstruct if, uh, if I hadn't actually open-mindedly and honestly confronted the regrets that I had in never discussing this with my mother. And I, th I thought it was really compassionate, though, that you talked about you were a, a pretty young boy doing your boy stuff. You were involved in sports and academics, and your mom wasn't necessarily a um, conversationalist about these kinds of things. <laughs> well, that's an, under an understatement. Uh, uh, <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, part of it was generational, I think. Uh, I, I mean, she was part of, of course, the, the Great Depression and World War II generation of the people have called the greatest generation. And a lot of, they, they had hard times. And I think a lot of them really determined just to tough it out. And this was kind of the never explain, never complain uh, ethic. And they were not open. Uh, my generation, which is baby boomers, uh, are very open, and you know we we believe in uh, intimate revelations with our. <laughs> I mean, that's part of our ethic. But mm -hmm. but our our parents' generation really weren't like mm -hmm. that, and and she was representative of that. So she wasn't uh, she wasn't one to um, talk about things that bothered her. She kind of just uh, just bore uh, was steely and mm -hmm. and plowed ahead in life and stoic and she was stoic and she was responsible she did a responsible job raising me as a single mom uh and i was an only child with with not uh, very advantaged situations but she saw to it that i had a good education and uh, and i'll just say one other thing quickly about what i discovered which really surprised me but again revealed a lot about who i am uh, my mother arranged to send me to the same school that my father yeah. had attended. And that's and, that was such a that was just wild to read yeah. that. And it just to Andover. Yeah, it was a wonderful uh, education. She arranged a scholarship, and um, this gave me a much better understanding of who I am and how I got to where I <laughs> came to in life. I had no idea of how I ever got to this school uh, until until I started doing the research and discovered, oh, my God, my father went there, too. Oh, that was my goodness. just amazing. She was working quietly behind the scenes. yeah. Right, very quietly. Maybe, maybe a bit too quietly, but I think that that's true. Oh boy, we could have a whole conversation about what it was like to come from a more of a, a, a modest um, background to go to Andover, yeah. but that's a whole different conversation, I'm right. sure. And right. then, turns out, you end up at the same Harvard University as your dad. Right, and uh, what I discovered was that he uh, he came from a, a privileged background and was kind of lazy and complacent and didn't work very hard and somehow got into Harvard anyway. Maybe it's because it was during the uh, Depression years and admissions were probably a lot easier. I was quite ambitious and I realized what a great opportunity I had in going to a fine school and I worked very hard. And so by the time I came around, it was hard to get into Harvard, but I, mm. I, I got in because I had a fairly, I had a decent academic record. 
And that was one of the conclusions that you drew that I, I really uh, was taken by this idea that boy, it would have been nice to not have to work so hard. It would have been nice to be privileged. But then you discovered that there was there were some advantages in having to work, and we then talk about grit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, in, in my work as a developmental psychologist, I've come to the conclusion that uh, that working hard is a good thing. It's uh, and ambition, is, if it's not excessive or cutthroat, is a healthy thing for young people. And so I'm I'm glad that I had that. I, I'm glad I had that little bit of an edge. I I feel that I've developed talents and skills and was able to contribute to the world more because I did work hard when I was younger. And I I I would in many ways that was a way that I'm glad I was not like my father. My father was irresponsible in. in and irresponsible right up to the point where he abandoned me and my mother in order to stay in Europe and have a nice time over there. Now, he did develop. I also write in my book, which was an interesting discovery that I made, is that when he joined the army and then went into the foreign service, at that point he developed purpose. Mm -hmm. And at that point he, he did have... Uh, a kind of a moral maturing and became a responsible person uh, but he was not like this when he was in school and obviously he wasn't like this when he decided not to come home to his wife and his only child hi listeners a quick interruption to tell you about a powerful tool I actually rediscovered after 15 years that will help you with stress, anxiety, and depression. I'm talking about the meditations from Health Journeys created by trauma expert Bella Ruth Napperstack. When I had to have major surgery many years ago, I listened to these meditations and it was enormously helpful. Health Journeys meditations are a little different than the run-of-the-mill meditations that you can find on apps. They're scientifically created and are used in over three thousand hospitals. I highly recommend them and I use them myself. You can go to ZestfulAging.com or NicoleChristina.com and you will see a direct link. I hope you find them helpful and I'm interested in your experience. Now back to the show. And then you discovered he actually did something really significant in the war. He made a significant contribution. Yeah, he um, he was called on to testify at a very high stakes, intense trial that General Eisenhower ordered, and it was um, kind of a scary uh, situation. Uh, but my father was courageous, and a lot of the other witnesses dropped out because they were frightened. But my father followed Eisenhower's orders. He wrote letters home about the situation. And I go into the details of his testimony and the trial, which was a significant trial that affected, uh, it was called the Litchfield Trials, and it affected the, the future course of military justice in the country in a good way, in a positive way. And Eisenhower also comes off as a real hero at that time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And just for our listeners, generally, he was protecting his fellow service people because they were right. being abused by their superiors. Is that is that a good? Yes. Not, okay. That's right. So you know what this makes me think about as a clinician um, and as a I guess just as a regular human is how we deal with mixed feelings because, mm. boy, you know. You, the pride is really evident, you know, as we talk about it now and in your book, like my dad did something really important. He he really kind of stepped up when no one else was um, or other people were afraid. And you're able to admire him deeply for even his golf skills <laughs> and also feel like, hey, why couldn't you have taught me golf? That's a deep pain for me. I love golf. I would have really appreciated that. Um, and you know, there's so many feelings here, and I, and I just wonder if you would reflect a little bit on how you navigate these. They're very profound, deep feelings, and they're so bittersweet. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, I think uh, this, I'm not alone in this. Uh, I think we all have mixed feelings and mixed motives about about anything important in life. And uh, you're right, it's a challenge. I mean, that is one of the psychological challenges of aging and of understanding your life and, and also of, of having a path to feeling good about your life. In, in, the, in my case, I uh, when I heard that he was a, a great golfer, and that was one of the first things I heard in the information my daughter dug up on him, I felt incredibly resentful, mm-hmm. uh, and I and it might have uncovered resentments that I'd buried for years about him not coming home, but this was emblematic. And mm-hmm. I did think exactly. I thought, I love golf, and I'm not a great golfer. And why couldn't the guy have shown up once or twice to give me a lesson? Mm-hmm. I never could afford lessons. I had to teach myself. Uh, but uh, the reason I called the book A Round of Golf with My Father is that I did went, I did go and have a round of golf with him in an imaginary way. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was not alive, of course. But my cousin, <laughs> this was an amazing event that I write about in the book, my new cousin, who I discovered, found my father's old golf clubs in the family garage, sent them to me. I found a scorecard mm. that he had filled out when mm. he was uh, an adolescent. And I went to the golf course that he played on. And with his scorecard in mind, I played a round of golf there. And this was exactly, as you said, a case of mixed feelings. I still had the sense of, gee, why, you know, why wasn't the guy around ever? But I also felt, you know, this is um, something I share with him, the joy of the game. Uh, he, he was an amazing golfer. I could tell from his scores on the same holes that I played. <laughs> it gave me a path for respecting him. It gave me a path for forgiving him. And when you forgive somebody, and that was not easy for me to do because he not only hurt me, he hurt my mother, Mm -hmm. who I loved, of course, and she was devastated uh, when he didn't come back, I later later discovered. But when you are able to forgive someone, it's not only good for them, it's good for you Mm -hmm. because it helps you get past these feelings 
of bitterness and resentment. And so that was a very positive adaptation that I had late in life. And it also taught me to uh, think about other people in my life that maybe I felt uh, mistreated uh, me or something and tried to find ways to also understand them and, and forgive them as well, which was a very healing uh, experience for me. Mm-hmm. It sounds obvious, but this this really changed your life. It did. Uh, uh, it changed my psychological life, certainly, um, and uh, it. Uh, I think it has. Um, it's improved my uh, um, relations with people and my sense of self. The life review, even in ways that did not involve my father, uh, revealed a lot of things about me that uh, gave me. Well, I'll just give you one quick example. Uh, as I went back over my own school records, which is part of the life review, I found that all along the line from early adolescence right up through college, people, my teachers and counselors would make a comment that I was stubborn. They would say things like, oh, uh, Mr. Damon prides himself on being open-minded and liberal, but <laughs> but he he sometimes doesn't see beyond his own point of view, and he can be very stubborn about that. And so uh, thinking about my life, I thought, you know, maybe this is true. Maybe I've been a little bit too stubborn in life, and maybe I should try to be a little less stubborn as, as, I, as I play out the last part of my life. And so and that's one of many examples of things I learned about myself that gave me some uh, gave me some guidance about uh, self improvement, which is something <laughs> I think that's always a nice thing to try to do at any age. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about the the nuts and bolts of the life review, and if our listeners are interested, where would they uh, find out more about life review and how they can? start their own review. Sure. Uh, let me say one thing first, which is that it's what I discovered is that, at least my conclusion, is that everyone really should do it in their own way. There isn't a cookbook recipe mm-hmm. for a life review because everyone has different kinds of information available. Everybody has different things they need to confront. But there are some basic things that you can do to to look for. And first of all, you start with finding about finding out about your parents and mm-hmm. your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Who were they and how did they influence you? And you can if if people are still alive, if they're still alive, you can have conversations with them, which is the best thing. But also if they're not, maybe they have friends or they have relatives that you can interview and talk with. And that's very valuable. And then you can find out about everything that you've done, and uh, that includes maybe going back to your school, you're talking to some of your old teachers if they're around, or looking into the file cabinets and looking for records about what people said about you, and thinking about accomplishments that you'd had early in your life, and thinking about mistakes you made. That's really important. And trying to find everything from records to examining memories. Now, in the book, I do have a chapter on memory. Memory is tricky, and I won't go on too long here because it's a long story. But basically, memory is not like a camera that takes a photograph. It's something that's a a construct. And so you have to understand how to interpret the recollections that you have. And 
that partly means understanding the ways in which maybe they're not exactly accurate, but that they reflect feelings that you have about mm. the events that took mm. place. Mm. I go into this in detail in the book, and I won't try to go into it in depth here. But basically, that's a big part of the life review also, is learning how to think about your memories and how to take away the meaning that they have for you. You know uh, what is really interesting? I grew up outside of New York City, and I had a distinct memory that we were worried about Son of Sam. Mm. Um, and when I was a child, that, you know, he was perpetrating his horrible murders um, not too far from where I lived. And it's really set in stone that that was a concern. Then I just watched a documentary. And the dates did not add yeah. up. I was not that young. Yeah. And in fact, I had already left that area. But somehow I would have sworn, and I know there's a lot of research on this, um, and it's really important when you're, you know, when there's been crimes committed and you say, I'm sure that's the person. Yeah. But I would have given you any amount of money that, you know, we were worried because he was after people with um, long brown hair, mm -hmm. and which is what I had at the time. And I mm -hmm. have a recollection of putting my hair up. Um, and I don't know exactly yeah. how that got filtered, but it could not have happened the way that I remembered it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, in my book, I, I write about Jean Piaget, the great psychologist who said that he vividly remembered somebody that attempted to kidnap him when he was a, a, mm -hmm. a very young child. And he could even remember the color of the man's cloak and every other thing. And he discovered later that it was all made up, that it was made up by the nursemaid that had been pushing his carriage because she wanted favors from the family. So she told the story of an imaginary kidnapping. Piaget remembered it so distinctly that he remembered everything about it, including the policeman that saved him and everything else. None of that yeah. happened. And so that's an extreme example. Most of our memories have some truth to them, but it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so I, I do write about this uh, in the book. And and uh, to answer your question about how people can get information about how to do life reviews, as I said, everybody should really do it in their own way. And there isn't a cookbook method. But in my book, I give one example of how somebody, namely me, can has done it. But I also have an extensive uh, bibliography in the book, references to people that have done this in more systematic ways. There's a, a very esteemed psychologist at Northwestern named Dan McAdams that has a whole inventory of interviews and so on about narrative identity that you can use. There's Robert Butler's writings. And I, I, I refer to all of these in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for for some of the people who may not get a chance to look at your book, uh, it sounds like what you're you're saying is just to do some poking around, some investigation, some like what were my school years like, if the teachers are still around or people in the neighborhood. Yeah, um, I mean, wh whatever's available. If, if you were in the military, look for the military records, uh, early jobs, old friends. Um, think about the things in your life that were important, that shaped you, that influenced you, mm -hmm. and try to do it, as I said, in a in a way that reflects reflects a desire to 
understand what was meaningful and 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 where where did where did you make some contributions also what mm. where did you actually have a purpose that made a difference to other people uh, because that's a big part of life that uh, everyone everyone has made a difference to the world and to other people and reconstructing that and thinking about that is enormously fulfilling and uh, and helpful moving forward it's just it's a it's such an important uh, exercise and I would imagine that it could really help people live the last part of their lives with a deep a much deeper sense of peace and um, and and joy yeah well I can I can say from my case of one namely me that that's exactly what's happened it's been it's been a huge um, way of resolving a, a, a lot of things that were getting in the way of exactly that and uh, and I enjoyed it too. It's also, I mean, it's not it's not only a, a, a kind of a a, a a mental health thing. It's also it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> it's uh, not frankly. an assignment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's it was a lot of fun uh, to and and I met new people and uh, everybody received me warmly and I think people mm. usually do and so um, it it, uh, it it was uh, it, it was a pleasurable uh, endeavor as well as a uh, a peaceful one in the long mm -hmm. run mm -hmm. where can people find out more about you well um as a uh as a as, let, let's say as an yeah <laughs> as a stanford but not, yeah go ahead <laughs> not your re not your millions of journal articles yeah, right, but exactly. let me let me say it this way how can they find out uh, more about your book? Let's do it that way. Okay, good. Well, well, the book is is easily available. It's uh, it's called A Round of Golf with My Father: The mm -hmm. New Psychology of Exploring Your Past to Make Peace with Your Present, and it's available on Amazon, and you can mm -hmm. get it through bookstores and everywhere else. Uh, the um, the way to find out about me and my other things I've done, of course, there's always Google. And uh, mm -hmm. if you Google me, my Wikipedia page comes up, uh, my Stanford Center uh, that I uh, direct uh, has a website that has not only information about work I've done, but about all my wonderful students over the last uh, mm. 25 years, uh, each of whom have found ways to go beyond what I've, what I've done in, in their own wonderful ways uh, through, their, through their work. Uh, so you can um, Google Stanford Center on Adolescence and see the work that we've done there. And as I said, uh, it, it's not hard to find out about uh, uh, there. There aren't, I, as far as I know, there are no other William Damons that have that have <laughs> done work in lifespan <laughs> development. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, so it's not too hard to find out. And and the book, mm -hmm. which I think the book sort of has everything in it because it really has my life review and mm -hmm. the, the dramatic story of my father and all of that. And that that book is um, is widely available at this mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend it highly. And congratulations on on all of this. I mean, I know you've had a lot of accolades at Stanford and been very sec successful in your career, but I imagine this has a a very different place for you in terms of accomplishment. Well, 
Well, thank, thanks so much, and thanks for recognizing that. It's true. I, I did feel this was a, really a leap. Uh, I kind of uh, I left the normal. Uh, I, I took a jump away from the more normal scholarly work that I'd been doing, and and kind of leapt into a, a, a personal discovery that I think has it, it, not only personal for me, but so many people have had experiences like this of of things they haven't understood in their past, even missing people from their families. And so I, I felt that I kind of entered a, a new realm here. And so thank you so much for recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for talking to us today, Bill. It, it, it really is a delightful book. And I, this idea of life review, I think, is profoundly important and I think will resonate deeply with our audience. So thanks for spending time with me this morning. It was really a pleasure. Oh, and, and, your, web, and your work is so important and great. So I, I, I feel privileged to be, to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music>